Hey guys, it's Charles. Are you a lazy millennial like me who doesn't have the time, energy, or work ethic to actually read a book? If so, you're in luck. Head over to audibletrial.com slash settingedge. That's audibletrial.com slash settingedge to get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash settingedge. Reading is for chumps. Welcome to episode 49 of the Setting the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host, Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at 4Verts. I'm here with a very special guest, uh, ESPN's Josina Anderson. You can find her on Twitter, at Josina Anderson. Uh, Emmy, Emmy Award winner, say what's up to the people. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on your uh, show today. I appreciate it. Oh Well, thanks for coming on. We know that you're very, very busy, so we won't take up too much of your time. But now that we're about two weeks into the NFL season, we had a Thursday night game last night. Uh, we just thought it'd be a good idea to talk to one of the professionals in the business and see kind of like what their experience was getting into. And we've had a series of interviews on Friday, so uh, we're really happy to have you on. But let's just dive right in. And one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on and ask you to come on to and reach out to you was uh, I, I want to get your perspective on what's it like being kind of you know, the face of black women covering the NFL because you, you know when you turn on ESPN whether it's NFL Live, NFL Insider, Sunday, NFL, uh, NFL Countdown, your face is there so what's it like kind of being like on the forefront of that? Well you know I actually you know don't necessarily consider myself you know the face of African-American women on the front lines of covering um, the NFL. I mean, you have to, at least for me and my generation, you have to give first a nod to Pam Oliver, who's been doing this a long time as a trailblazer um, in the role in the industry. Certainly look to her for her accomplishments and how she's handled herself over her career. And then secondarily, at our spot, ESPN, there's Lisa Salters, who covers Monday Night Football, um, does an excellent job, quintessential professional at what she does, uh, does more than one sport. And so you have to pay, you know, honor and homage to uh, the people who have done it before you and have, you know, set the path and the course for um, how to do uh, your job and, and how to conduct yourself, you know, throughout you know, the hills and valleys of a career. Um, I'm certainly uh, grateful for uh, the position that I have. I, I try to definitely do my part in adding to the discussion, um, you know, trying to bring new information and, you know, trying to establish a personality in doing so, so that people want to uh, come back and, and trust you as a, as a vessel for news. And, um, so certainly I definitely appreciate that and, and, and hope to kind of continue to, you know, cultivate and grow myself along those lines. Yeah. So do you ever feel pressure? Like I remember when Stuart Scott was first getting started, there was you know, uh backlash against him because people thought, you know, he was, you know, quote unquote, too urban to be on TV and ESPN. So do you ever feel like pressure that you have to kind of assimilate into uh, maybe a, a white workplace in order to 
get ahead or as a black woman or how do you deal with like the mixtures of cultures in your workplace? Well, I've always been an individual from jump. I mean, um, you know, very kind of confident minded and strong minded and not afraid to, um, you know, be myself, you know, and stand on my own two feet in that respect. Um, I think with that said, I'm certainly cognizant of, you know, status quo and, um, you know, and, you know, kind of core tones and, and things like that. Um, obviously, you, you have to be, you know, working in a business like um, this or just being in corporate America in general. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm thankful that I have the, uh, you know, freedom, or at least I feel that to, you know, be myself or certainly um, I feel like I have my own style of presentation and, and, and the way that I present myself. And, um, you know, ESPN allows me to uh, do that without, you know, feeling fearful of, of doing that. Um, and at the same time, you know, you want to maintain a very classy silhouette as a female. And I'm, and I'm mindful of that, too. I put a lot of thought into, you know, how I, I present myself by, um, you know, with my clothes and, and, and with, um overall presentation, but all of that still remains secondary to, you know, the information. Um, one of the things I tell my mentees um, uh, is like, if I have 10 minutes to go to be on the air, I'm still going to spend seven minutes of that making sure I know what the heck I'm talking about and I feel comfortable with my information and my delivery and the last three minutes on my appearance. So what I'm saying, the content, and the news is always the star. And everything else is an enhancement and a refinement around that that you try to achieve. And uh, every Sunday for me is a fire drill. Um, oh, oh, my whole job is real. What's funny was, th- I, th- I was listening to Labor Tar- dime. Hmm? Oh, oh, oh I, I, I'm sorry. You went out for a second. I thought you were, you had stopped talking. Oh, no, I was just saying, you're going to deliver news on a dime, respond to the news cycle, and at the same time, you have deadlines with which you're on the air. And then, you, you know, like on a Sunday, you know, I'm up by 4 a.m. Um, sorry, I'm up by uh, 4 a.m. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get myself together for my appearance. I'm trying to go over the things that I'm saying. I'm trying to rush to the stadium, I'm trying to be, you know, there for a mic check and all that other stuff. And you got and there's no being late. And then you have to respond to things that are happening in real time in the field and, and uh, deliver that and know what you're talking about and do that on a variety of topics. So, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot to achieve, especially with the extra layer of being a woman and having to do all those other things on top of that. So you talked about mentees, and uh, I believe we had Taylor Rooks on podcast a couple of times, and I think she name-dropped you. Do you have, like, a list of, list of your little underlings going around? I definitely don't consider them little underlings. Uh, everybody has potential in their own right, and I definitely respect that path because I know what it felt like myself to go through uh, the long course that I did to even be where I'm at at this point. You know, my career is not one that reflects someone who was given something and achieved it at a very early stage. You know, I, I'm definitely a grinder, and my career reflects that. And, um, you know, I definitely um, appreciate the fact and maybe even take pride in the fact that, um, you know, whatever you're going to hear in regards to my work, 
you know, hopefully that includes, you know, she deserves it um, because I, I definitely bust my behind and I respect anybody who does that and respects the craft and they will always have that ultimate respect for me. And on top of that, I know what it feels like to be on the grind, not necessarily hear from people or not get the encouragement. And so uh, I try to do that with as many people as I can and pass that, pass that spirit on, especially, you know, in, um, you know, kind of honor of the way in which it was done with me at the time that it was done. And that, and that wasn't always plentiful along my career. What I thought was interesting when I was looking up uh, just some background information about you was that I saw that you had graduated from UNC with a degree in exercise and sports science. So h- how did that turn into this career that you have now? Well, for a long time, I already knew that I wanted to, you know, be a journalist. Pretty much I knew that, I would say, by high school. Um, early on in high school, uh, one of my first internships with, was with uh, Tony Kornheiser in uh, Maryland, uh, WTEM, Rockville, um, where he was working um, as a local radio host at the time before um, obviously expanding his platform on ESPN. And he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, obviously, I want to do journalism. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm going to major in uh, mass communications. And it was his advice to me to major in something else that I like just because the journalism business can be like the acting you know, business where you can be in and out of a gig. And he thought it was, you know, uh, you know, necessary for me to have a degree in something else mm-hmm. just in case, be in case. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, he said that you can get the experience that you need for this job by doing internships and meeting people and getting job experience. You don't have to major in it. So that was his advice to me. I took it and it served me for my course for sure. So if you were- would you give the same advice? I'm sorry. Uh, I said, uh, would you give the same advice to uh, to? Well, absolutely, I uh, would give the same advice because it worked for me. Um, I, I don't. I don't think you need to major in journalism to be on TV or to be a, a writer. Um, I, 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 but I definitely think having a degree in it helps because obviously it's a more specific focus on um, getting yourself better at the things that mm-hmm. you need to do for the job. I just don't, I wouldn't say that it's necessary or that you will not achieve your goal if you don't have a degree in journalism, because obviously I, I, I reflect that case. And so I would encourage people to do what they think best, you know, suits them. If they are diligent outside of, you know, school and they can stay on top of being in school and having an internship and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a go-getter, so that was never going to be a problem for me. You know, I my goal when I was in college, as you mentioned, at Chapel Hill, was to make sure that I graduated and had a job uh, before I graduated. I did not want to graduate and not have a job. That was just a specific goal for myself, and I started interning when I was like a freshman or sophomore. Maybe I think as early as a freshman, I can't remember. But I know I was doing it early, and I was making contacts early, and um I think at the time I remember hearing this, although I could be wrong, but uh, I think maybe about three people had a job, including in the journalism department at the time of graduation. I think I was one, I was one of them to have a, a, a job in a TV world. So I think it really is about your, um, you know, your personal sense of diligence and uh, you know, perseverance with what you set your mind to accomplishing. And you can do that, you know, within or with, you know, or outside of, you know, having a degree in that particular field, in my opinion. Have you always been a big fan of football, like even before you started covering it? 
Um, I started getting into football in high school, and uh, you know my desire to uh, cover it and really be into it, I think, developed even more with my career in Denver. Um, and uh, you know, like I, I obviously loved um, you know the sport and, and watched it, but I think you know when I really became an insider. Uh, even more is when I appreciated it even more. But I have always been, I've been following football since I was in high school. And um, and I attribute my knowledge to, you know, picking it up pretty early, even as a female in terms of liking it and watching it. So who were some, who were some of the players that you enjoyed watching, like when you first got into the game? Well, I mean, I think the better question for me would be, you know, who uh, did I appreciate early on? And I would say, in my early career, you know, because the Redskins was the first pro- pro- professional um, team that I covered. So in my early days, you know, LeVar Arrington and Steven, you know, guys used to really watch out for me in the locker room um, because I was just a kind of a, you know, pipsqueak, you know, not working for an actual affiliate affiliate before a local cable channel. And they would make sure that the quote-unquote big dogs in the locker room didn't talk over me and allowed me to get my question in, it would tell the other people to wait until I finished talking. So, um, you know, I appreciated that early in my career and it made me, you know, feel a part of the group, even though I was really, really in my early, early, early uh, 20s and um, was already in market eight, you know, covering the likes of the Wizards, the Redskins, the Hoyas, you know, and the Terrapins and things like that. So, as a journalist, what is what's your favorite cycle? Is it more the action, like when you're in the locker room talking uh, to athletes, or is it the transactions? Is it like the draft free agency cycle? Like, what what's the big difference between the two, in your opinion? Um, I really like the connecting part of it, you know, and uh, getting to know people and developing the rapport. You know, it's really you know my job beyond being a reporter is really a, a relationship manager um, because you have to manage at least when you're at the insider level, manage so many relationships, you know, all across the league in terms of, um, you know, when you're building trust, it's not just about calling people when you need them. You know, one of the fundamental things you have to do is, you know, maintain your contact with people even outside of the time that you need them. Um, and, and, that is a key in any relationship, really. Um, and so, Jesus Christ. And so, um, give me one second, please. I know this is a little bit radio thing. Um, so, uh, it's really a managing of a lot of relationships, making sure that you're not calling people when you need them showing them that you are trustworthy, keeping your word, not necessarily always reporting everything that you hear, knowing how when to hold back, when to press, and doing that over, you know, with thousands of people. I mean, you know, over the course of a career, you're going to build a pretty big Rolodex, and that's what, that's what you're doing. And uh, when you master that, then, um, you know, you have the opportunity to, you know, report and give information at this level. So when you first got started and first started going on TV with ESPN, did you have any 
early career bloopers that you look back on like i remember this week uh adam Schefter was on the dan lebertard show maybe it was last week and he was talking about when he first got on uh to Sunday NFL countdown, he had a coughing fit for a minute on live TV and was trying to talk through his coughing. So do you have any like funny stories like that? Um, well, I think most people know when I first came to ESPN my first year, I definitely had a, a big memory bobble on the air within my first two or three months there. And uh, it's pretty well known. Obviously, people have seen that on YouTube, thousands of people. And uh, really, it was just a reflection of... Um, my lack of uh, just familiarity or experience in a stadium environment. Um, a lot of my work early on in my career um, was done, you know, kind of inside of a studio. Um, and even when I went to the games covering the Redskins earlier, um, you know, just kind of in that dome environment where everything is kind of closed and quiet like that. It was a little bit unfamiliar to me to have that quiet and then noise just come out of nowhere like that. And so um, I remember I remember that day like it was yesterday. I felt prepared. Um, I, I was not, you know, I didn't feel mentally fatigued. And um, it was one of those scenarios where I was just talking and uh, the people at Ford stadium started you know testing everything at right at once in the middle of the report and so it just threw me off it just literally just threw me off i lost my train of thought i was trying to regain what it is that i was saying in the middle of my thought and that's literally the first time that that had happened to me uh in my entire career and it just lit and luckily uh hannah storm was a professional humble and nice to uh, throw me out a lifeline on live television. And uh, she did the the exact perfect thing that I needed to reset myself, which was basically acknowledged to the public that something was going on. (laughs) And, um, you know, and to say that she heard the noises in the back and, and she reset with the question, and I nailed it the second without hesitation. And, uh, I mean, I tell the story all the time to people who are obviously mentees of mine. And uh, But as soon as it was done, you know, and I realized the magnitude of the mistake and the magnitude of the audience, I certainly broke down. And I had to just kind of collect myself off the air. And um, I called my father, kind of crouched down in the middle of the sideline of the field and talked to him. And he was at church at the time. And, um, you know, he basically let me feel sorry for myself for about 30 seconds. And, uh, you know, he reminded me that I had about six other reports to do. And so I didn't really have time to get unglued because I still had to go out there and, and, and perform the duties. And so um, the rest of the day, I um, knocked everything out spot on, no mistakes. And, um, you know, when the Falcons arrived to Ford Field, I remember it was, we were playing, they were playing the Lions. Um, you know, the general manager saw me. He was like, what happened to you? <laughs> and it was just a quick reminder that, oh, my God, everyone did see that. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, you know, it just sucked. But, um and then after the game, you know, when the game was done and you finish interviewing players on the field, 
the stadium people played that song by Tupac, Keep Your Head Up. And because everyone knew in the stadium what had happened, uh, at least the people that were there. And to this day, I know that it was done on purpose. You know, it was, it's almost like when you cover games at, um, you know, like this or what have you, some, it's a joke with some of the audio people, you know, or some of the test, test, one, two, three people, whatever you want to call them. And uh, they got me. And uh, so I think when they played that song and they've probably seen what had happened, I, I don't know if that was their way of saying sorry or laughing and saying sorry. But the good thing about that experience, as I explained this very, in a, in a, in a long way, is that, um, you know, it, it, it didn't, it didn't happen to me again. It won't happen to me again. I mean, you always kind of have moments on TV where you kind of have to catch your memory a little bit, but, you know, not to that uh, extent. And even if it did, you know, kind of how to handle it in real time or how to kind of be self-deprecating and move on to the next point, you know? Mm-hmm. As a great and so, philosopher. And, and, so, and, and, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, as a great philosopher, Drake said, checks bounce, we bounce back. There you go. <laughs> uh, so the last question before uh, we let you out of here, real real quick, uh, pretty funny. So you ran track at UNC, correct? Yes, I did. So if you had to run a 100-meter dash and a 400-meter dash right now, what would your times be and what was your PR when you were in college? Definitely nothing near to what I did when I was in school. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I would run. I, I'm nowhere near the type of running shape that I was when I was at Carolina because, you know, back then I was training five to six days a week, three to four hours a day, you know, hitting the track hard, hitting the weight room hard, something I need to go do now if I had the energy to do it. Um, it's very hard to maintain yourself while you're in the middle of a football season. So I think my only goal, if I ran like a 40 now, would be to beat Rich Eisen. Uh, you know, I'd have to like be faster <laughs> than Keyshawn and those guys that did the marquee race for ESPN. That would be my goal. I have no idea what I would run in the 100. I think my fastest time was an 11-2. Um, you know, over my career at Carolina, I was more of a uh, of a um, long sprinter, mid-distance type person. Um uh, and if I had gone on to do it professionally, my best race probably would have been a 3,000 for where you need to be individually to be beating people, you know, obviously basketball, football, those are team sports. But when you're trying to beat everybody nationally, individually, you know, um, that's a whole different type of level of um, head strength that you need to have. Um, and that, that's why we say not everybody can do track because it, it is a hard heart. It is just you. It is just your body. Um, and nothing else. And, um, and so, yeah, <laughs> that, uh, I feel like if I, if I, if I were, if I were to have gone on, which I obviously didn't, I went into a TV career, I would have run, I would have run the 3000 actually. Have you thought about racing Rich Eisen at the combine? Maybe like a little charity duel? Um, I've completely, uh, pitched that multiple times to ESPN. I very much think that we should do a ESPN versus NFL network type combine and properly train for it and not have people ask me to run hundreds, you know, with like two days rest, which will never happen, you know, or two days preparation, I should say. But, you know, uh, Adam Schefter can do a little javelin. I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> I can run the 40, uh, you know, Woody could do the shot put, wh- whatever, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, they would want to do to make it fun. I would totally be down for it because I'm, I'm always a competitor and an athlete at heart. So, yeah. 
All right. Uh, Kaizen on watch. He's been, he's there been put go. on watch. There you go. Y'all make it happen. We'll, <laughs> we will we will call our agents right after this <laughs> and get on there it. There you go. Uh, there you go. You have anything you want to let the people know about that you're working on before we let you go? Um, No, just getting ready for the next football game. Um, I have a project that I've been working on uh, on Frank Clark from the Seahawks. We did a story on his uh, life story, so definitely look out for that. I've been mentioning that on my Twitter, so that's uh, something that people who follow me know about. And, um, yeah, no, just going to continue to, uh, you know, follow my heart and try to uh, spread wings in this business and hope people appreciate that. All right. Uh, well, we really, really appreciate your time. That's going to conclude episode 49 of Setting the Edge. We'll be back uh, to you on Monday morning, episode 50, as we review the week three games. See you all then.